Welcome to Stock Stories, episode to the show. This is the Stock Stories Podcast, and my name is Alex, and I am your host and stock storyteller. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to deliver another episode for you today. And yeah, we have made it to the fall here in the United States. It's an interesting time. It's a cool time. The weather is changing. The leaves are starting to change color on the trees. It's a really beautiful time of year. So I don't know where you live, but hopefully you're enjoying the change in seasons as well. And yeah, with the change of seasons brings new things. So I'm excited to bring you some new episodes, some new content coming soon. I'll tell you more about that later. And today we have a mental model episode for you. So if you're new to the show, Stock Stories is the podcast that's dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. That's what we're all about here. And we do that with mental models and also case studies of real companies. We're going through the entire S&P 500. And normally we do do a case study of a company during the week, but today we're going to talk about a mental model. And this is a powerful one. This is one that, frankly, I could probably research (laughs) on and on for hours because there's just so much intricacy to it and so much depth to the topic. Uh, But nevertheless, let's talk about mental model of intergenerational transmission. Intergenerational transmission is a mental model that is simply the concept that up to a certain age, children will virtually accept whatever is shown to them or taught to them, and it has a profound effect on their habits and the people that they end up becoming. So effectively, intergenerational transmission is the passing down of habits and beliefs from one generation to another. Think about this. Think about your parents. Think about your parents' parents. There are things that you do believe and say that are a direct result of you being taught or shown those things by generations that came before you. And this is true for me. This is true for you. It's true for all of us. There's no escaping it. There's a certain point in our lives where we literally have no consciousness, where we have no choice We are formed completely at the will of the people who raised us. And this gets into the whole nature versus nurture thing. And I'm not going to dwell on that because that's a really broad topic. But all to say that the way that we're nurtured 
does have an effect on who we become. And think about it. If your parents taught you something as a kid that you just do second nature now, well, that's because of intergenerational transmission. And maybe they taught it to you unconsciously or maybe consciously, but nonetheless, it was passed down from one generation to the another. And it has profound implications to how we live our lives, the relationships that we have, the types of cars that we drive, the investments that we make, the things that we buy at the store, there are profound implications. So that's what intergenerational transmission is. The late Jim Rohn once said, quote, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with, end quote. I love this quote. I think it's so true. The people you surround yourself with have a profound influence on your life. So it's not necessarily just your parents or your grandparents that pass down these habits and beliefs to you, but it's the people around you. Who are you surrounding yourself with? And not just physically, but in general, whose ideas are you surrounding yourself with? I mean, you're listening to this podcast right now. You're surrounding yourself with my ideas. And thank you for giving me the time to do that and share that with you. But think about the books that you're reading. Who are you hanging out with? All of those things matter. They influence the subconscious mind and they influence the types of things that you believe about yourself and about the world. And they influence the type of decisions that you make. For example, investing. By listening to this show, I'm giving you messages about investing and my thoughts on how to and how not to invest in individual stocks. So I'm influencing your opinion, even if it's just in a subtle way. So who you surround yourself with matters. And this is a really, really key concept. Specifically, intergenerational transmission has a profound effect because they're typically people who are raising you or have a very strong direct influence on your thinking, especially at a young age. So there are countless habits in our lives that are formed without us ever knowing it. And they're based solely on the people around us and the environment that we're brought up in. I'll share a personal example. So my father at one point in his career was a preacher and my grandfather at some point in his career, actually to this day, he still preaches. So he is a preacher. And then my great grandfather, his father was a preacher as well, his entire career. So everyone in my family would not have blinked an eye if I, Alex had become a preacher too. I ended up not doing that, but if I had, it would have been very obvious because of my lineage, because of the people before me who are doing or who, who had that profession. So again, there are profound implications. Things like educational attainment, income, cultural preferences, teenage childbearing, welfare recipients, all of these factors can be correlated with intergenerational transfer. So for example, um, there's one fact that mothers who grew up in a family that received welfare are four to six times more likely to receive welfare themselves than other mothers. So it's just, the, there's so much influence in the people who are around that 
a lot of the same things tend to happen to us that happen to our parents or our uncles or our aunts, whether they have a positive influence, whether they have a negative influence, or maybe they don't have necessarily positive or negative influence. It just is. Maybe they, there's just a certain preference that we have that our parents have for, for something. So economists have been studying this phenomenon for decades. And one of the things that was developed was the socioeconomic index, so SEI. And this was developed in the 1960s in order to help quantify intergenerational social mobility. Now, what happened was data was collected in Western nations, and the researchers found that incomes from generation to generation tended to regress to the mean. So remember that mental model of regression to the mean. Things tend to move toward the average over time. But there were some methodology improvements in the 1990s by a man named Gary Solon. And this ended up leading to better data. And it showed that intergenerational mobility was more limited than previously thought. So initially, it was thought that, okay, say your parents earn a certain amount of money per year. If it's a high amount per year, over time, you or I might earn the median will probably regress to the median. Or if they earned lower than average, then we would earn more than them, probably around the median. But it's been shown that in industrialized nations, such as the United States, Canada, etc., that this regression to the mean is not as strong as we thought. If you or I have parents that made well above the average income, there's a pretty decent chance that you or I will earn an above average income because of intergenerational transfer. And there are so many factors involved in this, I can't even really begin to get into it. But there are things like habits, uh, privilege, race plays into it, gender, zip code. There's, just so, there's so many factors and variables that have an influence on the way that we grow up, the things that we believe and the things that we do, and also the resources and opportunities that we're given as we go through life as young people and grow up and then start to make our own decisions. So there's a lot that goes into it, but basically these studies have changed over time and shown that yes, there is an effect on the way that our parents earn income, the way that we transcend different social classes or not transcend different social classes, those things have an effect on what we do. And I definitely believe in the power of choice. As, as human beings with a consciousness, we can change our habits, we can do different things than our predecessors, but it is also undeniable that there are beliefs and habits and resources passed down to us that shape who we are. So there was a lot of studies done on this topic. And back in the 80s, there was another study done by um, two folks named Gary Becker and Nigel Tomes. And this is known as the Becker-Tomes framework. And what they try to do is figure out, well, how does this actually occur? And from one of their studies, I quote, human capital acquired by children greatly affects their earnings outcomes. And this capital is greatly affected by utility maximizing parents, end quote. So what are the implications of these quote unquote utility maximizing parents? 
Well, implication number one is that with unlimited resources, investment in a child is based on their ability. So imagine that you were born into a very wealthy family, let's say the 1%, and you're, you're born into this family, you have the finest education that money can buy, you don't lack for anything, any food, all of your needs and wants are taken care of. Does that necessarily mean that you'll make it into, let's say, Harvard? Well, maybe not, right? Because if you're not necessarily that intelligent or you're not able to ace tests throughout school, well, then you probably won't make it. Uh, But the amount that's invested within you to achieve that could be a high level of investment but it'll only necessarily be up to the level of your own natural ability, right? If you grow up in that environment and you say, well, no, I really want to be a podcaster, let's say. Well, (laughs) you don't necessarily need the same skills to be a podcaster than you do to take written tests and get a perfect score on your SAT. So there's a certain amount of investment theoretically that would go into a child based on their natural idea, ideas, abilities, and preferences. A second implication from this statement is that kind of the opposite. So a lack of credit, i.e. in lower income households, leads to reduction in child's earnings and less social mobility. So imagine the opposite situation where, let's say you were born in a lower income household, but you have incredibly high intellectual ability and you want to go to Harvard and so you work really hard you ace all of your tests you still might not make it and it might not be your fault right because what if certain resources were not poured into you from your parents from other influences in your life and you just didn't necessarily have the training to achieve that goal, even though your potential, say intellectually, was there. And, and so you could play the scenario both ways. You know, maybe the maybe if you came up in a lower income household and, and didn't have the same intellectual ability, or you came from a higher income household and you did have intellectual ability, you can you can go across the spectrum on both dimensions and you could add multiple other dimensions. And again, that's why I say this is an incredibly complex topic. And I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty of it, but suffice it to say that basically this study is theorizing that the way that the parents of a child um, invest into their children um, based on whatever their utility is, whatever they can give to their children has a profound effect on that child's future earnings. And Just imagine if you are um, a successful professional and you have children and you want the best for them, you're going to invest heavily into them, right? You're going to teach them all the things that you wish you had known coming up and take another parent who maybe they're a blue collar worker that maybe they don't necessarily know of the same exact skill set in order to teach their child certain things. So what do they do? They teach their child what they know. 
And so the child comes up learning the same skills and may even likely go into the same professions that their parents do. And social mobility uh, doesn't necessarily happen or it's much less likely to happen. So this is a very sticky, very controversial topic. So I'm trying to talk about it in a way that is uh, based on, on, on research to a degree and, and from a philosophical perspective, because uh, there's, there's just so much, so much nuance here. Um, and, and there are examples and counterexamples that can be given on every side. But all this to say that we pass down habits to our children, we pass them down to our grandchildren. Uh, there's a profound effect on the occupations we choose, on our incomes, on where we grow up. So all this to say that there is a big influence on who we are based on who came before us. And we need to be conscious of that because it can help us make better decisions. So let's tie this back to investing and finance a little bit. Let's talk about purchasing habits. So there was another study I found where uh, a child whose parent recently purchased a car, a given car brand, they're 39% more likely to choose that same brand as an adult. So imagine your parents are really into Toyotas. Well, when you grow up, there is a decent probability that you're going to buy a Toyota too. Why? Because it's what mom and dad drove. It's what's familiar. You know that brand. You're used to seeing that logo every single time you would go to the car for soccer practice or whatever every day as a kid. So there's memory and emotion attached to that brand. So you're more likely to stick with it. And this isn't just true about cars. It's true about other things. So there was a paper in 2015 from the University of Chicago Journal of Industrial Economics, and the study followed multiple households that originated from the same family. So imagine you start with one family, and then the kids grow up, they break off and have their own families and create their own households. So the study followed kind of this web of families and found that this is true for vehicles. You're a lot more likely to purchase uh, uh, I think in the study they use Ford and General Motors, you're a lot more likely to purchase one of those brands if your parents drove those brands. And um, that's an example of intergenerational transmission. So here's another example from the consumer world. So did you know that 298 out of 300 households in America contain products made by Procter & Gamble? I'm going to repeat that 298 out of 300 households contain Procter and Gamble products. That is insane. I know that I have Procter and Gamble products in my house, just sitting there in the other room and they're everywhere. Procter and Gamble has successfully branded their products so well that people are likely to just pick up their products again and again and again. And because it has such a huge stable of brands, they're really diversified, so people are more likely than not going to purchase one of their products, even if they're purchasing their competitors as well. Maybe they'll buy the Procter & Gamble laundry detergent, but they will buy the Unilever soap or whatever it is. Um, so that's an example of intergenerational transfer as well, because imagine that Growing up, your mom always did laundry with Thai laundry detergent. 
Well, when you grow up, say you go off to college, you don't really know anything about the world, and you're like, man, I'm in the college dorm and my clothes are dirty. I need to wash my clothes. I should probably buy laundry detergent. You go to the store, what do you see? You see that orange bottle of Tide. Oh, I think that's the brand mom uses. Okay. And then you just pick it up and then you buy it without really even thinking about it consciously. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. We choose brands often, not because we consciously think about, is this better for me or not than these other choices? A lot of times it is a subconscious subliminal decision based on what our parents have done or what our friends have done. And that gets into the broader mental model of social proof, but specifically intergenerational transmission. What have our parents shown us? What have our parents taught us? What have our uncles, aunts, grandparents passed down as far as beliefs and habits? And laundry detergent is one of those things. So over time, products acquire this brand equity, aka loyalty, because they reinforce behaviors or memories. So again, think about the Thai laundry detergent. If you have good memories of smelling that fresh laundry when your mom or your dad uh, put in a couple loads and then you were folding clothes and you remember the scents and you remember you, you associate those scents with good feelings in your house, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then that's, that's going to have an influence on your buying decision in the future. Another thing that I found interesting was that there is intergenerational transfer with other types of habits, such as savings habits. So I looked at some data from 2015 and looked at the savings habits between countries. So for example, Chileans save 21% of their gross domestic products. And in the United States, that's only 4%, which has actually risen to about 8% now in 2019. Um, Canadians save 2% and Germans save 10%. So between different nations, there are different habits in place. And I don't know if this is due exclusively to intergenerational transmission, but I do believe that money habits and financial habits do transcend different generations. So if your parents taught you to always save money for a rainy day, then you're probably going to save money for a rainy day if that was demonstrated to you at an early age as something being something very important, or at least more than you otherwise would have if you if you uh, if you didn't have that advice at all. Uh, whereas some cultures are more prone to spending. I know here in America we have a very strong bias towards being a consumer and spending a lot of money. And so our savings rate has suffered as a nation uh, because of that. And intergenerational transmission has something to do with that, I believe. Um, so there are just these other factors and they play into all these different facets of life. So when it comes to investing, think about what are the ideas that have already been planted into your head from the past about money and about investing. Maybe you are listening to this podcast because you're new to investing in stocks and you just don't really know how to do it. Maybe you had parents who said that the stock market is a scam and that you can never make money with it, that it's basically gambling. So that's a belief that may have been passed down to you from people who came before you. And 
sometimes it's worth changing those habits by looking at actual data, look at the science to understand the full situation, and then make an informed decision from there. What about investing? Um, Sometimes people have terrible experiences in the stock market. Sometimes people lose tons of money because they made terrible decisions, or maybe they made a good decision with their allocation of capital, but then they panicked when the market went down and then they pulled out and they lost a ton of money. Um, Those are profound emotional experiences. And if that happened to your uncle per se, and your uncle told you those stories, then you might never invest in the stock market because of fear of loss. So there's a transfer of a belief there that the stock market will not make you rich. It will make you poor. And it's worth analyzing those beliefs and trying to understand, okay, how do I really feel about the stock market? How do I really feel about choosing individual stocks? If you're listening to this podcast and maybe you've read books or blogs or listened to podcasts about stock investing, but you haven't actually purchased any shares of a company yet, I strongly advise you open up that broker's account and just buy one or two shares of any company. It doesn't really matter. Just just do it. Get a sense of how it feels to have some shares in your broker's account. Like, Get a sense of how it feels to have a stock fall or rise 50% because of one reason or another. It does something inside you as an investor to actually have that experience. And that can either reinforce or break those habits or beliefs or that mentality that maybe you received from people who came before you and about the stock market. And maybe it's not necessarily your parents. Again, it's not necessarily specifically intergenerational transmission, but it could be social proof of of friends or family who had certain experiences in the stock market, positive or negative. So I'll leave you with that. Intergenerational transmission is a powerful force. So examine your habits, examine your beliefs. Uh, I know this is something that I have dealt with in my own life, trying to change my beliefs from certain things that I believed as a kid that I just no longer believe because of many different reasons. And it took many years in some cases for me to change my thinking. Uh, But it's worth doing the internal work to have that internal conversation with yourself to say, okay, do I really believe this? Why or why not? And then to go from there, because that's going to help you make better decisions, investing decisions and otherwise. All right. This has been another episode of Stock Stories. Again, my name is Alex, your stock storyteller, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm excited for more content to come next week. We'll see you again. If you want to reach out to me, feel free to email me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. You can reach me there directly or hit me up on Instagram. You can find me at stockstories one. That's stock stories and then the number one. All right, have a great week. presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. 
you and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.